Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. The saying goes, facts tell, stories sell. But that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning. How do you tell a story? How do you position it? How do you use it in different types of marketing, whether it's speaking, whether it's sitting face to face with the client, whether it's being on podcasts like this show, we're going to learn all about the power of stories and how to use them effectively. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA. Appreciate you taking a few minutes to listen today. I think we've got a great conversation that's really going to be beneficial and actionable for you today. I want to thank both C-Suite Radio that hosts my podcast, as well as Wine Ambassador, my sponsor. The Wine Ambassador is the fastest growing wine club in the United States. So if you like wine and want it delivered to your house at an affordable price without having to guess at the grocery store what wine you want, go to wineadam.com and learn a little bit more about it. Um, it's a very cool way to be social and even get your wine for free. So more on that at the website. Today's guest is known as the Impact Pilot for helping business owners sell their services better through public speaking and a unique sales process which incorporates questions that sell and stories that sell. Over the last 30 plus years in an entre entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, he's owned at least a dozen businesses. His personal trading studio was one he's most proud. This is where he really learned the power of a sales system in public speaking to tell stories for the best marketing that he could do. Tom Jacobs, thanks for joining today. I appreciate it. No problem, man. I'm glad, glad to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to really digging into that process of how you learned the power of stories, how you learned to use them effectively. But I wanna start with a little bit more of your history because you started in a more traditional path you worked in oil and gas before you ever became an entrepreneur. What, what was that process like and how did it lead you to changing everything that you were doing in your life? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I always had that entrepreneurial bug ever since I was I don't know, four years old. My mom um, showed me this uh, drawing that I did uh, when I was four and it was of the Sunnyside Manor, which was uh, a hotel that I had designed that had two towers and a, and, a, and a bridge in between the two towers. And it had a spa and a restaurant. And you know, I, I think back at the, you know, at four years old, I was like, where, where did I ever get that idea? And so, you know, they always um, thought of me as, as their little entrepreneur, uh, you know, growing up at the paper route, I was a mobile DJ in, in high school and in college. I had a string quartet in, in high school as well. And then, you know, you get sucked into this whole notion that, you know, you got to get a job and you have to get your education. So I went to, went to school, got my bachelor of fine arts in theater management of, of all things. <laughs> couldn't get a, couldn't get a job that would support my two biggest habits, which are eating and sleeping indoors. So <laughs> I decided to <laughs> work for oil and gas and um, you know, I did that for, oh gosh, probably about 11 years in what I considered corporate hell. And, you know, in that whole process, I always had side gigs that, you know, I had a, 
a blinds and a, a shutter business with with a partner that end, ended fabulously. Um, <laughs> and it, just all these other, like I, I sold poker sets on eBay, just all these little side hustles and, and nothing ever, ever really stuck because I always had a safety net and that was that, that corporate gig. So, you know, 11 years in, in sitting behind a desk, I, I got fat and, um, you know, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol and 40 pounds overweight. And I was only 30 years old when I, when I saw my doctor and he was like, well, you got to do something. And so, you know, it, he offered me the pills, of course, to, to fix the problem, right? Really mask the problem. Exactly. And as a... <laughs> is there another option? He's like, well, some people do this whole diet and exercise thing, but that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I like a challenge. So I decided to, you know, go down that route. And I started, um, you know, eating right, exercising. And, um, you know, it completely changed my life. And people saw the change in me. And they were wondering, you know, you know, what are you doing? What are you taking? You know, that was always the first thing. <laughs> what are you taking? And because um, they saw me, you know, losing weight, gaining muscle. And over 12, 12 weeks, I gained uh, 10 pounds of, of muscle, but I lost 30 pounds of fat and completely transformed myself. And through that process of, of just kind of educating other people, I was like, gosh, this could be a business, right? Why don't I get trained as a personal trainer? And so that's when, you know, I just went all in, um, which, you know, not really all in, but, you know, I started the side gig, of course, because I always have to have that safety net. And, you know, I was training people at five o'clock in the morning, going to work during the day, and then training people at, in the evening. I absolutely loved it. And then I, I decided to, you know, quit the day job, oil and gas, you know, 11 years. I took my entire 401k you know, invested in, in buying a business, an existing gym, quickly expanded it. And within six months, I was broke, you know, financially broke, mentally broke, uh, and certainly emotionally broke. You know, and, and here I was, you know, I spent 11 years, you know, working my way up in corporate, in the corporate world, and managing millions of dollars, you know, in, in freight, I was in logistics. And here, I was managing a small business and I couldn't make it work. I was like, well, what the heck is going on here? You know, I, you know, and I, I realized that at that point I needed help. And that was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life is actually realizing as an entrepreneur that you're not alone, that it's okay to ask for help. And sometimes you do fail. Oftentimes you fail. Um, I think I've failed more than I've, I've succeeded. And it was in that moment that I, that I, I got the help that I needed and, and got coaching. And I learned um, really the, the art of selling, which was always something that uh, I, I hated, quite honestly. Uh, but once I learned that selling doesn't have to be that kind of sleazy thing, but that's what makes business go. Um, that's what helps people that need your services, that that's when my business took off and I started to help a lot more people put a lot more money in my pocket and kind of took it, took it from there. And, and I, I love the story because it's, it's so many people have, have been through that, especially when we have a service 
to do. We get really good at our service, but we don't have enough people to get in front of, right? We, right. we spend all of our time getting better and better and better at the thing that we're already good at, yet we don't have enough people. Where did you begin yep. to find the people? Once you learn to sell and, and you learn the art a little bit more, where did you find the people to, to get in front of? Yeah, so that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the whole marketing thing just really um, confused me quite a bit because I was always chasing kind of those shiny objects. And I think, and this was back in 2008, right? Who, you know, the height of the recession, and um, which is when I opened my business. And so I was always chasing after those, those things, you know, that, that would, you know, be the golden ticket, right? The magic bullet, you know, have the, you know, the stupidest marketing tactic that I ever did was, you know, at the grocery store and Kroger was the, was a big grocery store in, in, in Houston. You know, they have the, the little advertisement on the, on the carts. Yep. I, I, I did that for a year for $9,000 for the year. And it was a picture of me without a shirt on because, you know, you're a personal trainer. You have to have, you know, show off your muscles. Right. And <laughs> it was the worst advertising ever because it's all about me. It had nothing to do with you know, anything. It was all features, right? No, no benefits to the end buyer. And I got a big old zero goose egg off of that. Although I was kind of famous at that Kroger people always would wonder what was in my cart. <laughs> I was like, well, beer and cigarettes, what's in yours? <laughs> um, but that was, that was like the, the, I was always chasing after, you know, the, the shiny object marketing, but really what, what worked and worked all the time. And every time I did it was public speaking. I would do lunch and learns at corporations and each and every time I would get people interested in my mailing list. And then I would also get consultations that would ultimately end up in a sale. And in, in that process, that's really two sales in one. One, you have to get in, you have to sell yourself to get on the stage. And then while you're on the stage, you have to sell to the audience to get them on your email list, to get them to sign up, to get them to come to the gym, uh, whatever the yep. case may be. How, did you bifurcate those two sales strategically or did you really do the same thing just to different audiences? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, this sales is sales, right? It's, it's the same process, whatever you're doing, you know, it's rapport building, find the need, you know, serve the need, and then ask for the sale. Um, it's, that's the simplistic version of it, of course. Um, so, you know, as I was you know, looking for, you know, places to talk, you know, I tapped into my network and asked, you know, current clients, like, do you have a, you know, health and wellness group at your work. And can I come in and can I talk? And, and that was really the easy, that was the easiest part. And then having the presentation that wove in my own personal story of weight loss and weight problems and health problems. When I did the presentation and wove that in, that's when it finally struck to me that story was the most powerful aspect of the presentation. Not the facts and figures of, you know, eat six meals a day and you have to have carbohydrates and protein and fats, and blah, blah, blah. It was the fact that I, was, I went on this journey and I shared that journey with people that sucked them in. And at that moment, they're like, wow, 
this is really cool. If he can do it, I certainly can do it too. And that's when they started to book the consultations. That's very cool. And in that, when, when you gave your first presentation, because this is going to give us lessons and your story all at the same time, was your first presentation, if you think back to that first presentation that you did, to what you're presenting now and the way that you're talking now, what, what was the, I guess, the life cycle <laughs> of that first presentation and how did it morph? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I had to, you know, I, I bought a presentation from, from somebody, from a, from a fitness coach. So I had kind of a set presentation. So I just went through that and it was, it was okay. But then when I saw that the audience wasn't really responding, I was like, you know what, I should probably talk about kind of my journey. And that's when, you know, when it morphed into then, oh, let me talk a little bit about my, my journey. And then at the end of the presentation, I just made a very simple offer. It was like, hey, you know, fill out this form. If you're interested in a consultation, great. If, if you wanna just get some more information from me, then, you know, tick that box, give me your email address and boom. You know, and so it, it morphed from just telling facts and figures to telling a story to then telling a story, facts and figures, and then an, an ask or a call to action. And at that moment, that's when it really started to take off. And how, how did you, obviously you said that you had coaching, you became more of a student of sales and a student of presenting. Mm -hmm. How did all of those things come together? You know, was it, Little by little, was there, was there sort of an epiphany day? How did that work? Yeah, so it was really outside of my fitness industry that the epiphany day came. So you know, about five years into owning my business, and I owned it for nine and a half years. I sold it about three years ago. But um, about four or five years into it, the uh, coach that I was uh, coaching with asked me to join the team and then start selling their coaching program and coaching other fitness entrepreneurs. And in that process, I created a one day workshop for fitness professionals and I taught them sales, marketing and employee management. And it was, you know, five hours, again, introducing story and, and things like that. And the very first, and the, the whole purpose, by the way, was to sell their program. And it was made very clear to me by the owner of the company. It was like, you will sell this program. So the very first presentation that I did, and I was so focused on the selling, and this is why it failed miserably, but it was in front of 60 fitness professionals in Loughborough, England at a, at a fitness conference. And I had them for an hour, you know, captive audience. And so I was going to teach them a sales process of selling fitness and gave them everything I had. And at the very end of it, I made the offer. You know, first five people that get this is going to get, you know, <laughs> going to get a special presentation with me and, you know, we'll have dinner or whatever. I don't know. You know, the whole run to the back of the room type, type of uh, sales tactics. Yep. And absolutely zero people did anything. Right? Nobody ran to the back of the room. Nobody filled out a form and, and I made no sales. And you were coming to this presentation from a background of success, right? You, you, in six months, you went from all of your money into a business to no money, nothing going on, and probably thinking, 
all right, I've got to go beg for my job back. But then a year <laughs> later, you did a, you grew by 100,000 and a few years later, 500,000. And yep. so you built a business machine that everyone in that room was trying to do, yet yep. nobody took you up on learning from you. Correct. Yep. And once I diagnosed kind of what was going on, I was doing too much selling and, and teaching. So the whole point was to sell and, and then give them everything. So I gave them way too much. So by the end of the presentation, you know, 45 minutes to an hour presentation, they were like, okay, I got everything I needed. Thanks. Peace out. <laughs> Rather than, wow, that's, that was a really cool story. I see where he was, where he came from, how he could teach me how to do it as well. He gave me a good framework, but boy, I want more. And that's, that was the technique that I ultimately learned is you, you give people the framework, things that they can do on their own, but certainly if they buy your product, your program or whatever you're selling, they're going to do it a lot faster. So it's what I call, you know, give them what they need to do and then sell them how to do it. One of, one of my coaches always taught me the what is free, the how costs money. And I think it's really interesting. We're talking with Tom Jacobs on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, talking about the art and the power of storytelling. So Tom, you, you've, you've figured out that you needed to not give it all away, but, but excite the crowd and incent them to want to learn more from you. And so how did, how does that work? Now, I mean, obviously we can't do it all on a podcast, but there, there, are, there are probably some things that you can break down of the different mindset in your own mind and the different ways that you can help the audience learn more about you. Tell us a, a, a couple of those tips. Yeah, so the, the first thing is that it's, it's coming up with your signature story, which is, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have a story. I don't, you know, I, I never had a near-death experience or you know, whatever, you know, everybody sees kind of these stories online, gurus and stuff. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. Everybody has an amazing story. It's how you craft that to, um, to weave that into your presentation. So it all starts with the signature story and finding those moments in your life that were pivotal to you and how you can teach people something off of that. And it's in that so it's the signature story. We then go into a teaching moment. So something that you're, again, telling them what they need to be doing. And that's where the teaching comes in. And you're, you're teaching just enough to whet the appetite. You give them, you know, certainly they could take what, they, what, what you give them and they could go and run and do it by themselves. But they, they'll do it a lot faster when they buy your program. And then once you teach them, what it is, then you give them a great offer. And that great offer could be just, you know, download a free uh, ebook on how to tell your story better, or, um, you know, connect with me for a 30 minute consultation call, a strategy call. And when you structure it in a, in a very structured way, so story, teaching moment, sales process, uh, you bring that audience in, you captivate them. So they have your you have their immediate attention. And then 
they're listening to this, the, the teaching part and they're like, wow, I want that. I could, I could use that. And then at the end you give them the offer. They're like, okay, great. You know, and, and you got their email address or you got their order. And, and now when you work with people, you're, you're, you've transitioned from the, the health and wellness side, although that's still part of what you do. And <laughs> you now help people do this. So where do people, um, where do people get stuck when you first start working with them? Where, where do you see the biggest, <laughs> the biggest flaws in their process? And this could be another podcast in and of itself, but, but let's yeah, break prob- it down probably. as it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's for every single person that I work with, it's the story. And that is where everybody struggles with is how do I create my story? What story? You know, first of all, they're like, well, what story do I even use? Um, and most people feel like they don't have a really good signature story and everybody has a great story. And it's, it's because we've played it over and over again in our head that it becomes a rote story to us. But if we craft it like a Hollywood blockbuster movie, you know, using the hero's journey, which is just, you know, common uh, storytelling um, framework, then we're going to create a story that is captivating for our audience. So that's, that's where everybody kind of gets hung up is like, well, I don't have a story or, you know, there's there's one guy, he was never a client of mine, but I saw him a lot on doing speak speaking engagements. And he was the absolute worst storyteller ever because he was telling this story about him getting stage four skin cancer and getting radiation treatment. Yet he was telling it like he was going to a birthday party. And I was like, there's a, there's a real big disconnect. <laughs> I was like, wait, and, and he was just bored with his own story. And so it had absolutely no effect on the audience. And in fact, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it sounds like he's kind of making this up, which is really, really kind of very bad. So I, I, I bring in kind of the, the theater degree finally after 30 years, my parents would be super proud that I'm finally using my degree. <laughs> but now I bring that in terms of now let's take your presentation. Let's make a performance out of it because that's, what's going to keep people's attention. Nobody wants death by PowerPoint anymore, right? They want to be entertained. So we get rid of the podium, we get rid of the PowerPoint and we just tell the story, connect with the audience and then make an offer. Interesting. Just the, the, the simplicity of it, because we, we tend to overthink these things, uh, but I love the simplicity of it. But I want to ask another question of the, uh, the story itself. So it's been said that, you know, your mess is your message. And that yes. really helps bring people in. And do you have to have a really painful rock bottom experience that then catapults to success in order to have a powerful story? No, not at all. But, you know, with that said, we all have a negative bias, right? So, you know, that's why the news always, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? That's the news. So everybody wants to see that, that tragedy. That's why, you know, reality TV is so popular when there's just a train wreck, you have to watch it. Um, so yeah, tragedy sells a lot more, but it doesn't have to be. It could be one of those um, stories where it's one of those moments in your life that was very joyous that you still learned some really good lessons from. 
So that's why, you know, when I go through the process, it's really funny because about, you know, 90% of the moments that people, you know, list out in their, uh, I have them list out different moments in their life, but 90% of them are generally negative or has that negative connotation or tragedy and 10% are joyous. So, but we, we, we dive into all of it and we really look at the ones that are the most emotionally charged because those are the ones that you're going to be able to portray to your audience in a way that really captivates them. Because if, if you're emotionally charged by that story, then your audience is going to be emotionally charged by it. That, that makes a lot of sense. So in, in the last few minutes that we have, the, the starting point, obviously people can go to your website at uh, tomjacobsjackobs.com and, and see a little bit more, not only of your story, but of um, what you have to offer and they can get more information there. But where should people start? If they're listening right now and they're like, I would love to speak, I, I, I get the idea that being in front of more people is better than not being in front of more people. But, but where do I even start? Do I start with a story? Do I start getting speaking gigs? Do I put myself out there? like a comedian where you go up and do an open mic night for your first joke and, and see if anyone laughs. Like, where do they go from here? Yeah, so actually I have a free resource on, on my website. So tomjacobs.com slash storybook. So that, that'll help them kind of craft their story so that it reads like a Hollywood blockbuster. And then I have a free training on kind of how to rearrange that story so that it, it really does captivate. So once you have that story, then you know go to a Toastmasters, go to you know a networking event, and take that story, bring it down to a one-minute to a three-minute story, and start to connect with people and see how it resonates with them. And what's really interesting is with the people that I've worked with, that they, you know one one lady that I work with, Willie, she you know gave presentations all, all the time, and she was like, you know, something's really missing. And so after she, we worked together got her story together, she said the, the first presentation that she did, she had a line of people waiting to talk to her, most of them in tears, because her story connected so, um, so much with them that they wanted to you know, learn more about her. And ultimately, she sold a lot more of her, her programs. Interesting. And you brought up another good point on the one to three minute version of your story. Once you have your story, now that same story, whether it's public speaking or whether it's videos online or whether it's a course or whether it's your you know, elevator pitch at some sort of networking event, you can do the same thing in multiple genres, even if it's writing, you can make a book out of it or a blog out of it. Absolutely. Uh, and so is it, do you, and I don't want to get too technical, but in my head, I want to know, do you start small and, and make your story bigger or do you start bigger and then break your story down? How, how do you yeah, start? How start yeah, start bigger uh, because it's a lot easier to edit down than it is to build upon something. As, you, know, you can't edit a blank page. So you know, just write it out and then start to rearrange it. So it, it doesn't matter if it's you know, a, a thousand words or 500 words. Uh, you can still break, break that down into um, kind of that, that smaller uh, piece. So it's easier to just start large and then work your way down. Perfect. And, and everyone out there, you don't have to do this alone, right? This is what Tom does for a living. 
but also he's got free resources. So you can go out there, you can begin to get your story, you can begin to get everything and then learn more from him. Last question, the, the impact pilot, right? You, you love to fly, flying is something that you've done yep. and I think you put multiple millions of miles probably, uh, you're in the Philippines <laughs> today, right? So you probably <laughs> didn't fly yourself there. But no. <laughs> tell me about the, the love of flying. That started when I was 12 years old and, and in Boy Scouts. And one of our scout leaders had a little Cessna uh, 172. Uh, he took us up in it. I was sitting, sitting co-pilot and he allowed me to take control of the plane. And from that moment on, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, finally, uh, 2013, I was able, you know, had the financial resources. There was an airport near where I was living and I, I learned how to fly. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever, ever done. Wow. I, I think I'm too much of a chicken to do it. I've got a friend who's got a private plane. It's a little <laughs> six seater plane and wow. I've sat in it, uh, but I, I'm just like, how do you do this? Like, I, I'm a smart it's guy. Physics. I understand the mechanics of it or okay. the physics of it, right? I, I know that it works, but but something in my head. So the first time you're sitting there on your own, or even or even with a, a trainer next to you, and yeah. you're getting that thing off the ground, what what did that feel like in that moment? Oh my gosh, so exhilarating! It, what's what's funny is it's easy to take off. It's the landing <laughs> that's the hard part. <laughs> Because it's basically a controlled crash, right? But they say that uh, there's a little saying in, in pilot speak, but it's uh, uh, takeoffs are optional, landings are mandatory. <laughs> yes. And so you're going to come down one way or another. <laughs> that's true. And if you stick the landing, that that's a win in the end, right? That's right. As long as you walk away from it, it's a good landing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the information, everyone out there. Go to Tom's website, check out his free resources. It's really helpful. I was playing around with it before this interview and, and I definitely want to learn more because I, I do well. I want to do even weller. Um, we can always <laughs> improve in a lot of different ways. So thanks Tom for being here and thanks for sharing with the audience. Okay. Thank you, Adam. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast with Adam Kipnis. Look forward to having you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.